Hey, it's your old pal B-Wade. This may come as a surprise, but I'm a total professional and definitely remember to tell you the upcoming books during the episode. Well, actually, that's not true at all. Uh, anyway, next month we'll be doing Revenge of the Sith by Matthew Stover, and coming up after that is Tales of the Bounty Hunters, which is an anthology collection. Please get your thoughts in on those books to expandeduniverse.online slash contact as soon as possible. That's all for now. On with the show. This is Expanded Universe, your home for all things Star Wars Legends. And as you've heard, you can hear, we are joined today by Fletch. Hello, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How have you been, Brian? I am great. You know, I'm just hanging out on a Sunday afternoon, getting ready to talk about some Star Wars, so... Exactly. I've got my coffee, we're good to go. Yeah. And uh, we are talking about, uh, as as I uh, told everyone in the last episode, we were talking about the the New Jedi Order Vector Prime today. Uh which, as as you can tell, as you can hear, is the first book in the New Jedi Order series, um, which is an insane undertaking. I believe you pitched this to me by griping about no one wants to do a ten book series, and I went, uh, does it have libertarians? No, why would that be a thing? Yeah, okay, good, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, it um, it is massive. It, I think it's. I think it ended ended up being nineteen books at the end of the series. There was a chart on here, but I wasn't quite sure what counted because it also listed canceled titles that never got solicited, and so. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up here real quick. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, we've got uh one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Okay, twenty. Nice. Uh, including including a few ebooks and stuff. It's not like those are going to stop me. Which are, yeah, I mean they're not um, the ebooks like because of the time that the, these books were published were like really like side stories because it wasn't like it wasn't like it is these days where an e- a book is just a book whether it's an ebook or not. Yeah, we're talking back in the era where webisodes were considered separate. <laughs> oh man, webisodes! Hey, remember when the critic came back as Flash animation? Yeah, it was great. Oh, that's a way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, great has many connotations. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so uh, Vector Prime, uh, written by R.A. Salvatore, which is um, also kind of unusual because you may know him from his his Drizzt series, his Legend of Drizzt, uh, writing a bunch of fantasy stuff in the, in the Forgotten Realms, but here he's writing some Star Wars stuff. There are no scimitars here. Or panthers. Uh, zero scimitars. Uh, but there are some pretty cool fantasy-style weapons. And there's definitely magic. <laughs> well, of course, there's magic. Yeah, space magic. So how? Let's see. Where do we want to kick off? Because this novel throws you in the deep end pretty quick with a bunch of new revelations, species, etc. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we can kind of. Um, I guess I guess we should maybe do like an overview of like the Yuuzhan Vong. 
uh, to start us off. Okay, I didn't know if we wanted to go into that early since they kind of get revealed a little later. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess we could. It doesn't. We, you we know, should probably do that now, just so people know, because I know I'm going to be slipping up and referring to people as the Yuuzhan Vong early. Yeah, and I think that like we that th- that way we don't we aren't like totally constricted to the timeline. We can bounce around and say yeah, things as they as they come to our heads. So but yeah, so. Go you first. You, you're the one who actually knows the lore. I'm going to just do some comparisons. <laughs> um, so the Yuuzhan Vong are an extragalactic species um, who uh, have basically decided that because they hate technology, they're going to uh, come into the Star Wars galaxy and uh, conqu- con- conquer it. They, they want, they're bent on conquest. They want to take over the entire galaxy and reshape it in their image. And... Because of the way they are set up and how we start seeing them, I basically thought of them akin to the Dominion from Deep Space Nine. If that gives you a good mental image, people at home, you have people who are, you know, infiltrating agents. You have big buff warriors who have been augmented and you have incredibly alien tech that is still living in some way despite the fact that it confounds most known scanners and things it, yeah it, they um they, they don't use technology the way that we do they actually kind like the, the one of their big things is that they hate technology like they don't like uh the use of like metal and like droids and stuff yeah. so they use uh they use what they call biots and they don't use they don't i don't think they use that term in this book but later on yeah, i don't recall uh, you learned that they call their their uh, ships and weapons and stuff they call them biots and they're all like living creatures that uh have different like have different utility and they kind of have like a biot for everything which is kind of hilarious yeah there's definitely a incredibly specific level of genetic manipulation in this book and that'll come up in a couple plot points yeah for sure um, so, yeah, so yeah, they'll use things like, uh, th- one of the ones that we come back to a lot is they have this thing called the Uglith Masker, uh, which hmm. basically, uh, you learn early on one of the early characters is a Yuuzhan Vong in disguise and he's disguised by this, by this masker that is a organism that like basically lets him take on the appearance of someone else. So they kind of have shapeshifters too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and th- that's important because uh, they are humanoid, but they do not look like anything uh, that is in in the known galaxy. Yeah, uh, a bit spiky. So um, facially, they sound like a nightmare. Um, yeah, um, there's actually <laughs> the one that they show on the cover of uh, Vector Prime is pretty is pretty good looking. <laughs> I really yeah. like it. Uh, they talk about how they're like all they're all covered with tattoos and they have scars all over themselves. And the big thing with the Yuuzhan Vong is that like they they kind of glorify death, and they they think that like the the, the more like wounded you are, like the more that you've like uh, hurt yourself and been hurt in battle and like dying in battle is like the most glorious death that you can have. Yeah, there's a very religious zealot crossed with species-wide masochism thing going on there. Pain is good, pain is refreshing, pain pleases the gods, and to die in battle is the best death. To die old and alone is shameful. Yeah, and uh, that that extends to, like... uh, whether whether or not you are worthy kind of kind of determined that you mm, the way that you die is determined on whether on your worthiness 
Yeah, it's... there's You can see how I came to that conclusion as they parcel this out in drips and drabs throughout the novel, but if you need a mental shorthand, people like me who had a little more experience with other things, that's probably a good one. Yeah, I think that's a, I they, think that's actually a pretty good comparison. They, they fill a lot of the same roles, even if it's not in the same ways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's uh that's more or less the Usenvong. I'm sure we'll talk more about them as we yeah, go we'll probably the, get into a couple episode. more specifics as we go on. But that that covers them for this novel at least. Yeah, and uh, so so why don't we uh, why don't we just get into started started about talking about the novel itself? So we kick off pretty quickly with a lot of the ladies. We got Leia, we got Jaina Solo, has, Jaina's come up on your podcast, you know, Leia and mm-hmm. Han's kid, uh, Mara Jade, who is, of course, at this point, Mara Jade Skywalker, and they hit us in the gut pretty quickly, because Mara Jade has force cancer at this point. Yeah, we learn later on that she's had some sort of, uh, uh, she's been infected by some sort of Yuzenvong disease, but we don't know what it is at this point, and they talk about how... She is like the only that there's one other survivor. There's one other person that's had this disease that has survived it. Uh, and they are like quickly dying on Coruscant. And she is the only one that's been able to like hold out. And it's pretty heavily implied that that's because she's like holding it back with the force. Yeah. I, I did look into it. I thought that must've come from a previous thing, but it's just like, nope, novel starts and there's a plague that's quietly ravaging the galaxy. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, Mara Jade is, has obviously been like a, a major character up to this point in the expanded universe. Uh, so I guess it was just one of those things that they did with the new Jedi order to kind of throw you off your game is that, Oh, we're starting this new series and someone who is really important is sick and maybe dying. Yeah. It's page three and here's the plague. No one's safe. <laughs> yep. Not even, not even your favorite Mara Jade. But uh, the crew, the lady crew is here because of the fact that Leia is on a diplomatic mission. Of course she is. And they're trying to calm down Roma Mool's leader, Nama Moore, who is a weird, backwards shitster who hates technology. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, think, thinking about the characters that we know that hate technology, you might... You might... Yeah, to figure out who what he is. Exactly. Yeah, when we were talking about people who were instrumental to this novel and cloaked, yeah, Nama Morzavong. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so um, pretty early on in this novel, like we even get like some some pretty crazy action uh, where they're flying in on this diplomatic mission, and uh, the other planet Osarian that is uh, that is like uh, getting ready to go to war with Ramamul uh, sends out some. Uh, some ships to uh, to either attack them or to uh, to kind of like to to kind of take them to because the Osarians know that she's going to Ramamul, and so they want her to go to Osarian instead. Yeah, th- this is basically just a big power play to go. No, you will talk to us first. Yeah, and unfortunately, it sort of escalates a little because while Leia's very don't shoot at them, just dodge. Jaina, you can pilot things, dodge. Uh, a hotshot Jedi on board the ship, Worth Skidder, which, boy, that's a name. Yeah, what a name, right? <laughs> uh, ends up taking out a fighter during this whole thing and shoots down a few guys. So yeah. all of a sudden, it's Leia's pissed at him, 
there's now a diplomatic shit show because it's like, before you could just go, I think Leia sums it up as, before we could have just gone, if we don't bring this up, they are not shamed and we have power over them. Now you've shot down three of their people and we have to answer for that, dick. Right. So just a just a total total diplomatic mess up. Um and this is also uh this is also more or less just uh just set up for uh what's going to be happening happening with Luke early on in this book. Yeah, that's true. Uh there's a brief interlude on the ground where you see a droid ripped apart and uh savaged and salvaged by the Red Knights of Life faction on Romamul. Noma Moore is just kind of going, yes, yes, do this. And the droid's <laughs> inner monologue is something like, he was glad he could not feel pain. Yeah. Um, and also, the Red Knights of Life never brought up again, by the way. I know. But they just... they had their own name, and so it's like, yeah, that's a cool name, even if it doesn't really do anything. After that, it's just like, Goon Squad. Yep, more or less. They're they're in a few other a few of the other books, but they're only like mentioned. There's never any 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 further appearances by this group. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, so then we uh, then we we jump over to another planet, uh, uh, Belkaden, mm-hmm. uh, where there is a there is a uh, scientific uh, study. Uh, there's a scientific, uh, gosh, outpost. That's the word. Um, that is uh that is studying uh extra extra galactic things like that they're they're studying the edge of the galaxy basically this is in fact exgal 4 so yes the fourth exgal yes um but then we uh this is when we meet uh yeoman car for the first time and this is when we meet danny Kui as well i actually thought yeoman car's story was probably my favorite of this novel mhm because of the fact that at first it's just a little spy story infiltration, and then it turns into a horror movie. Yeah. Like, he, this dude goes from, ah, I'm going to secretly signal people, hey, the invasion has begun, and then it turns into a slasher movie as he tries to keep everyone in the dark. Yeah, and it's definitely like, like this, this is actually, this is when we first learn about, like, that the Yuzen Vong exists. Yeah. Is with him. Uh, because you find out that he's like, uh, he's he's been like infecting the planet with these beetles uh, that are going to change the atmosphere of the planet. Yeah, but what happens and, is they see a blip pop in from beyond the edge of known space, and everyone else is going, "Huh, what's this? It's just floating there." Yeoman Cargo's, "Oh, this is one of our ships." So he quietly sends off a signal to most of the other sleeper agents going, hey, get your shit together, start the plan. Mm-hmm. And then talks everyone down into going, no, no, let's not send a message about this to anyone. This is probably just some debris or crap that bounced back into the galaxy. Yeah, and I actually, like, I actually really liked like how he uh, went about this, like all the, all the subterfuge that he had going on here. It's like it's really good because he's the most subtle character to begin with. Yeah, yeah. They they spend a lot of time like talking about like how how like he is just like the model employee and like he just shows up on time all the time and he never takes a break. Um, and he's he's always working. Yeah, yeah. Everyone likes him because it's like, hey, you need something dependable done. You go to Yeoman Car. Yeah, and he'll do he'll do the thing. Exactly. He'll just also infect it with beetles or sabotage the sensors or 
<laughs> but that yeah, doesn't he'll, come he'll, he'll just end up murdering most of you. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so then we, uh, we, we we get that little scene. So we're, we're basically like getting introduced to everybody. So now we're going to, now we're going to bounce over to Coruscant. Um, and we get our, our first introduction to Luke in this book. Yep. And so we've got, we've got old Luke Skywalker back and he's hanging out with Jason Solo, uh, Jaina's brother. Luke is and, in an unenviable position in this novel. Yes, and he's in an unenviable position for most of the series, honestly. I can't speak to that yet, but yeah, he's he's got to go, okay, look, I know I'm trying to bring back the Jedi, I know I'm refounding this, I'm also trying not to make the same mistakes you guys all hated 50 years ago, alright? Give me a little slack, but no one wants to. Everyone just goes, Jedi are here, why aren't they fixing my problems? Mm-hmm. And and some of them are just like, hey, Jedi are here, but maybe they shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, makes a sense. That's true. Yeah, if anyone remembered the crap that went down last time, they'd probably be skeptical. Yeah. Um and so so part of what we uh what what we find out is that um that Luke wants to like to start a, a new Jedi council and he's basically asking the uh the new republic government like for their permission more or less even though he doesn't really need to yeah it's it's diplomatic yeah and, and so we uh this is where we this is where we first see also like Jason's uh philosophical bent that he has for most of the series <sighs> where he, he he's definitely like uh he he's definitely like junior philosopher at this point yeah he's a little insufferable to begin with Yes, he is. <laughs> Jason Solo is very much... Well, hell, I can say I'm a philosophy minor. I know how much I can be insufferable if I get going, but Jason <laughs> hasn't learned the key thing is most people don't want you to get going. Just keep it brief. Yeah. Sound bites. Yeah, for sure. Hey, you know, you know what was a really wise thing? When Socrates said, I know what I don't know and this guy doesn't. That's okay. That's cool. That you've just made it sound bite. Jason will instead begin telling you about the entire events and history that led up to this, and how this relates to you. And also, you're the idiot who doesn't know what he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And it, he's, uh, I think, a good a good way to describe Jason Solo in this book is definitely bloviating. I was going to go with insufferable, but yours works too. <laughs> I mean, they both work, right? Yeah. Um. But yeah. So. Uh, so then we. Then we. Uh, get to go back to um, to the Millennium Falcon. We get to go to the Millennium Falcon and see Han Solo and Anakin and... Oh, Anakin Solo. Uh, sorry. Yeah. And not Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, that's right. Yeah, I know that, but it, yeah, people coming in blind are probably going to want to know that. Yeah, and uh, Chewbacca, everybody's favorite. <laughs> exactly. I pointed at my microphone when I said that. That's how you know it's serious. <laughs> But yeah, uh, they're just fixing up the ship because Anakin tried being a hot shot like his older sister and didn't quite pull it off. Yep, he's not as good as Jaina because nobody is. Nah. <laughs> to be fair, Jaina is pretty damn impressive in this novel. Yes, she is. And I she's, give I mean, them, like... I give them credit. You could have a wonder character like that, and they just feel insufferable and fanficy. But no, it's it's very balanced. She still feels human, even though she's. Quite good at every damn thing. Yeah, I mean, she's she's the best character in, in the Expanded Universe, and I will brook no arguments. I, I haven't seen anything to counter. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, 
So they're they, they go and like they have this long conversation, and then uh, this is also where Anakin and Jason have their like philosophical debate, right? Oh yes. <laughs> yeah, because the adults is, are like, all talking about a lightsaber training battle. Yeah, yeah, the adults are all talking about the meeting, and meanwhile, the two kids are just like, ah, but this is how. Ugh. Yeah, so we get we get this whole thing where like uh, Jason Jason like uh, is like really. Uh, philosophically opposed to the Jedi using their power for, like, they're using their power for power. Yeah. Like, for might. Which, you know, a decent argument, but it can just be made quickly. Hey, I don't think Jedi should strong-arm people. Done. Yeah. You, you don't need to have this this protracted lightsaber duel. I also don't think Anakin is completely disagreeing with you, bro. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. Um, but, yeah, so... Luke, uh, so the the whole thing with the with the the New Republic government was that uh, they don't they, they basically they want the Jedi to like either hunt or not hunt smugglers. Yeah, there's an implication that a lot of the Republic government may or may not be corrupt or dealing with the smugglers. Mm-hmm. And so, as the smugglers are getting hunted down by the Jedi. It's suddenly making things hellish for the guys in the fancy tower who want the things the smugglers bring in. So they're just like, hey, maybe you don't have to enforce the law. Maybe that yeah. would be nice. <laughs> Which, I mean, they're they're not cops. They're not space cops. So why should they be enforcing the law? And it's true, yeah. But, you know, if you happen to stumble into a smuggler's nest looking for old Jedi artifacts or whatever the hell, why would you not break it up as a Jedi? Yeah, sure. I I don't know. Like we can we can we can get to that debate later, a little later on. Yeah, that's that's true. There's a better part. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we uh, th- th- this leads to uh, Han and Luke and the deciding that they should go visit Lando, uh, because Lando is running another mining operation because that's what he does in the expanded universe. We need someone to do some shady but legit shit. Yeah, let's go get money laundering, Lando. <laughs> Yep, that is a hundred percent like his place in the EU. <laughs> That's always what he's doing. It's some weird, some weird side project. Yeah, it's kind of funny that they would end up just turning that into Han's gig instead in the new movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what? No, I was the shady asshole. Give me a beard. Yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe Billy D. Williams just didn't want to come back. Who knows? It's possible. I he may be in that. I'm too old for this shit camp. Yeah. Either that or J.J. Abrams tried to make one too many Colt 45 jokes, and he was like, I'm out. <laughs> He's like, all right, yep, nope, I can't do it. Uh, uh, but yeah, so so ends up, uh, we end up getting, uh, the whole gang goes to uh, goes to see Lando. Uh, so it's Han, Luke, uh, Leia, Mara Jade, uh, Jaina, Jason, and Anakin all go. Also, at this point, we have just passed over. Leia has the meeting with Nama Moore, who is basically shitty to them but make sure that they walk by droid torture and religious rallies in the square on the way back. Yeah. And he openly says, yeah, uh, to his people, not like not to Mara's face. Ah, the Jedi has the disease. Let's let's see how this goes. Let's keep an eye on her. <laughs> yeah, um actually one of the things like when he's being shitty to her uh in this meeting like what the thing that he does is he tells uh, Leia, like, look, if you're you're here to be to for this diplomatic mission, like, the only thing that uh, I will negotiate with you on is you need to use your warships to uh, stop the Osarians from being able to attack us. Yeah, he gives them an untenable solution and pushes for nothing but that. 
Mm-hmm. And Leia's just like, well, fuck this. I'm going to I'm gonna leave. Yeah, we're going to bounce. Yep. And that's... Yeah, never mind. Not going to go... You don't want to get there on this podcast. All right. <laughs> yeah. You could draw some parallels. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, so uh, so then we get we get that, and then we're then we're back to Excal. Yes, and the asteroid they're tracking is uh, floating around. It's probably just gonna smash into an ice planet. And so this point, they're like, "Hey, we should probably contact command and go. Hey, yeah, there's there's something big enough that it may cause issue." And the sensors are not, or the communications are not working. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's yeah. So how they this decide works. that they decide that they're gonna like go up in their like shitty old spaceship and uh, try to send a message that way. Yeah. Meanwhile, the asteroid is actually a world ship, and that's uh, Yuuzhan Vong thing. They have massive battleships that are basically like. It's kind of like if you were to hollow an asteroid or large, like a moon or something. You know, there's just a lot of those in this series, I'm realizing as I say that out loud. <laughs> yep. But this is this is a grown one as opposed to someone building a thing above Endor. Yeah, this is, uh, this is again, like, uh, the everything with the Yuuzhan Vong is all biological, so their ships are living beings. They have brains, hearts, etc., and uh, we, this is where we meet uh, Prefect Degara for the first time. Yeah, who is a uh, he, he? He's like a, the leader of the warship. Yeah, that's his command. There's a it's little sort more of his command. There's a little more structure to this, and it's kind of weird, and it's not entirely fleshed out yet. Right now, he is the big guy. Yeah, but then we 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 meet the Yamosk here as well, right? The the war coordinator. Was that this? I thought that was the next scene. Yeah, either you, way, actually, you might be right. But we may as well since we're here. Yeah, yeah. The uh, so, so you, he's he's like kind of like the leader of the Yuuzhan Vong on this ship. But then there's also the the war coordinator, which is like kind of like it seems kind of seems like just like a Cthulhu monster. Oh God, yeah. The description. Let me see if I can find it. And I don't have my Kindle nearby. Okay, I'm not going to find the description. <laughs> I can I can probably pull it up on uh, on Wikipedia. Yeah, it was one of those passages that was very ugh. Yeah, where it talks about like the the like the rows of teeth and then like the 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 large central tooth as well. Yeah, it was little details like the large central tooth that was very cuz before you're just thinking, oh, it's, you know, a crocodile-faced man or something. And then it's like, wait, how does that Yeah, it's a. It's. I, I'm looking at. I'm looking at, at it on Wikipedia right now, and it is. They are very creepy looking. I'm gonna go ahead and drop that in the chat so that you can look at it too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I want you to imagine a Metroid that also decided fangs weren't enough, and maybe it should resemble some blood vessels too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Actually, Metroid uh, is a, is a very good comparison. It, it's like a bleedy Metroid. Yeah. Very orange, very toothy spire at the center of it that is also a fang. Yeah, and that that like that that central tooth, like really that that's the thing that really sets that it off. That drives it home, yeah. Because there's no symmetry with that thing. It's just suddenly, and also a spike. Yeah, 
you guarantee this thing has perched over someone and just kind of like rode the corpse when it got angry. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we, we kind of see that happen, right? Yeah, that's true. Later on. But yeah, so we, we, we see the Amosk and then, uh, oh gosh, what happens next? Uh, the scientists are starting to go, yeah, well, that's, it, there's some debris breaking off of that. Must be a comet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, they're so eager to believe that it's not like extra galactic as well. Yeah. They're yeah. Cause at this point they're in some real shit if it is. So they're all just like, yeah, let's, yeah, that must be it. It's just debris flying around and oh, it's breaking up. Good. There won't be a disaster. Mm hmm. And at this point, Yeoman Carr sets some shit into motion that will cause issues later. Yeah, this is where he uh, he he start he starts. Is is this where he uh, like disables the communications on the on the shitty old spaceship as well? Yeah, he's starting to do that now. And yeah, that's right. And it, yeah, I, re- I really like that scene too, where he's like disabling the communications because he's t- like his like inner monologue or whatever's uh, when they're describing what he's doing. Um, they spend a lot of time talking about how like he's like not doing this like subtly at all. Like he's yeah, he's, he's just kind of out there doing it because he knows that like if he know like people will hear him working on it, and oh, so yeah. he just does it like he he hides it in plain sight. Yeah, he's no longer having to be the perfect guy. He's kind of coasting on that, but it's like, yep, I'm doing my job now. This is the whole thing I'm here for. I just have to keep these rubes from telling anyone. Yeah. And so he, he, um, so, so Danny, uh, we, we didn't really spend much time talking about Danny, but she is like the, the, the leader of X gal. Yeah. uh, Danny Mm Quee. And she is, uh, she is really like described as like being like really great throughout this entire book. Yeah, she's sort of like what a poorly done Jaina Sola would have come off as. Yeah, I mean, she's not she's, she's not totally that. I, th- I think she does actually have some redeeming qualities that come up later. Oh, yeah, it's just that's she very much has that I'm the best, I'm going to be the hero. Especially once we get into the horror movie aspect of this plot line, she would be the Ripley. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so she, uh, she, as the leader, she decides that she's going to take the spaceship to, uh, the, to the planet that the, uh, the asteroid slash comet, uh, is crashing into or is going to crash into. And she brings a couple of people down with them. Yes. And, and she, they're... she actually, she invites human car to take, to go with them. Yeah. And he's like, well, no, because these other people have, uh, more seniority than me basically is his excuse for getting out of it. Yeah. And in the meantime, they see the comet hit the ice planet, but nothing blows up.
yeah, so then, uh, then the next thing that we get is uh, we get, uh, as the Spacecaster takes off on XCAL, uh, the uh, Yeoman and another guy go out to like try to fix the transmitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, the guy, Garth, Garth Bryce, uh, none of these characters' names are really all that important because they're all going to die. Yes. Um, but he, uh, he sees some of these beetles that Yeoman Carr had, uh, had remarked on earlier. Uh, and then, so they, they climb up, they climb up this, uh, this tower to try to fix the transmitter and, uh, car is like, I can't remember if it's car or Bryce, uh, says something about how, how maybe the Beatles are part of the problem because they're chewing up the, uh, the cable or whatever. Yeah. And then while they're up there, uh, at the top, uh, car is just like, actually you're the problem. Yeah. He just slices the guy's rope and kicks him over. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty intense. So that's, this is the first time we see him like actually kill. And this is where it transitions from, uh, like I said, it goes into full horror movie slasher territory now. Yeah, for sure. Because Yeoman Carr no longer needs to pretend everything is in motion. Now it's just making sure no one fucks it up. Yep. And so, yeah, then, uh, then like once the uh, once the spacecaster gets up and in, up into space itself, um, uh, Danny like notices that there's this like crazy storm happening on on the planet. Yeah. Uh, which uh, which we learn very shortly on that uh, that it's caused by these beetles. Yeah, these things are basically designed as a suicide vector for a plague. Yeah, which infects. And they, they they also sort of like terraform the planet. Yeah, that that's what I was gonna say. It infects the plants, and they start giving off different things than oxygen or the usual composition. Mm-hmm. And it just, the whole place basically turns into Venus for a day or two before it all dies off and disperses. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, this is, uh, this is something that comes up later, but, like, they, they end up using, uh, this planet to, like, grow the coral that they use to build the, to, for their ships. Okay, so that's what, gotcha. At this point, it's just, he's cleaning the place and scouring it. Yeah, at this point, we don't, we don't understand that, but later on, that is what happens. Got it. Um, but yeah, so then um, <clears throat> the we, we we get this little we get this little scene where Nominor like basically just like stirs some shit up, uh, and so he like launches some missiles at uh, at uh, Osa Prime at the Osarian planet. Yeah, he's not, you know he knows it's not going to succeed, and he already plans his escape because this place is done with him. But he's doing it to make Leia and everyone's life a little bit of hell. Yeah, he 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 basically just wants to distract the New Republic to keep them off of. Uh, what's going on in the outer rim where mm-hmm. uh where the the Usenvong are like setting up their base. So. And so then we move on to uh to everybody flying to go see Lando. Yeah. And the one thing I think the one thing that's really important about <laughs> this is that uh Jaina is flying in Luke's X Wing, um and Luke had put in the wrong coordinates. Huh. Uh, for for uh, her to jump out of hyperspace slightly in in a slightly different place than where she's supposed to be, basically just like to test her. That's true. Yeah, and when he lets this on, he also starts talking with her a bit about. So, uh, what do you think about Jedi Councils, kid? Yeah, and so they have they have a little bit of talk about that, and uh, I actually don't remember what is it. What is it that J- Jaina says about it? Um. 
Jaina is, you know, kind of like, I don't think I'm ready for this yet. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what this really has to do with me. I'm not a master. Yeah, and she's not junior philosopher like Jason, so. Yeah, Jason continues to pontificate at length. Anyhow, so because it wouldn't be Star Wars without some kind of seedy dive bar. Oh yeah, of course. Gotta go into a, gotta go into a dive. Rebold's Foam and Sizzle is a pretty good name, though. Just I do like for that what name. that conjures it's pretty up. Good. Uh, what is the um, what is the quote here? Where fights, even deadly ones, aren't frowned upon as long as you clean up after yourself. Yeah. <laughs> The Galactic Health uh, Code is weird. <laughs> and so basically, like, Han is, like, going to find out, like, what, what exactly Lando's doing in this with this mining operation. Yeah. And uh, the revelation, the important revelation that you, we, get, we get out of here is that uh, Kip Duran is, is being a real asshole, because that's what he does. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you knew anything about Kip Duran coming into this. I did not, but he just sort of struck me as a privateering prick. Yeah, I, I actually... <laughs> Um, I started, I started like, since, since I've read this book again, uh, post the force awakens, I actually kind of like pictured him as Adam driver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what that says about like what I think of Kip Duran overall. That does tell me a bit. <laughs> so he, uh, he's just sort of our next generation Han Solo a bit. Well, he's like our next generation, like. Just well, like okay, he, go, he goes the other way. I'm just yeah. saying, yeah, he's he's the very talented, cocksure, uh, never do well. That's what I wanted. Yeah, sure, sure. But yeah, so we we basically mm-hmm. learn that like he's having he he's he's causing some trouble, mm-hmm. and then we move on to uh, back to uh, Excal Four, uh, where this is where the storm has like hit the the plague has hit like full bore. Yeah, it is, the clouds are not a storm, it is just straight up a sweeping poison gas wall approaching everything. Yeah, and it's a, it's, it's sort of like the, the way that they describe it here is really intense where, uh, all of the, all the scientists that hadn't, uh, that hadn't left basically go out to investigate this storm. Um, and then there's this like really, this really tense scene, like as they're all like trying to get back. Uh, through this, through this gas, and yeah. like one after another, they like fall and like give their, uh, give their gas tank to one of them so that they, he can try to survive and come back and bring the information back to the. Yeah, to the base. everyone is just falling one by one, but trying to make sure someone lives. Yeah, and eventually, one dude, uh, Jerem Cadmir, makes it. Yes, but then is almost immediately <laughs> killed by Yeoman Car. Yeah. Uh, Danny is briefly here. Yeah, this is uh, this is where we get back to. um, This was the ice planet, if I recall. Yes, this is where we get to the ice planet for the first time. Yeah, they're trying to figure out what the hell was up with the comet. Yeah, because it it they they had seen it like appear to impact with the planet, but then there's like no there's no no, like structural damage to the planet. Nothing that would suggest violent collision. Yeah, and then and then I love that. Like, then they're like, "Oh, I guess it wasn't a comet; it was just a ball of gas." Yeah, maybe that was it. Oh, uh, a bunch of things begin to go wrong because 
what they think is a debris field is actually Yuzan Vong ships and fighters everywhere. Yeah, and the the, the prefect Degara, like the these these Vong fighters aren't they aren't there to like destroy the ship. They're basically there to just take them down and like basically, um, and and to take them captive more or yeah. less. Yeah, uh, keep them out so, of the way. Yeah, so so uh, we didn't talk about this earlier, but the Yuzen Vong's into Villop, which is like my favorite uh, Yuzen Vong uh, biotech thing. Because mm-hmm. I think they're just like the way that they're described is super funny. Uh, they're, they're these like they're these like leathery balls that like invert, and when they invert, they take the shape of uh, a person's of a Yuzen Vong's face, and they're basically used as like long distance communicators. Yeah, it's. Oh god, that's right. That's true. They they are the balls. I thought yeah. it was just Yeah, this is their equivalent of the hologram generators and it just clicked yeah, for me cuz I was the way that they are described is so funny to me. <laughs> yeah, the the mental image just clicked because I had missed that before putting the two and two together. I was thinking, "Oh yeah, it's hollow communications." Like, "No, wait, they apparently have some sort of weird that thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't want to like I don't want to get too ribald or anything on this show, but like it is basically like described as a scrotum. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much just uh, penal puppetry. That was what that guy's show was called, where he was just doing uh, origami with his balls. Yeah. Yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good description. Please don't put yeah. that in the show notes. <laughs> I'm probably not going to. Let's be honest. Good. Um. But yeah, so so then we uh we we the the ship is taken down and uh Danny wakes up and sees that uh the Yuzen Vong are killing uh one of the members of her crew. Um mm-hmm. uh and it's Prefect Degara talks to her and tells her that oh uh the your other guy whose name I can't remember now. Yomankar. Uh no 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 not Yomankar. Oh okay. Uh Cho Cho Betaleg uh had had died on the like in the crash. Yeah. Gotcha, he's like, gotcha. and he's 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 like, I'm glad that you didn't die like Cho Betaleg did because Yeoman Carr uh, tells us that you deserve an honorable death. That was what I was thinking of. Yeah, he's like, yeah, you. He reveals Yeoman Carr is the villain, and he says you're good. Yeah. And so th- this is uh, I, I totally didn't totally understand what was going on here because um, I, I guess I by what I, what I mean by that is like uh, Yeoman Carr tells. Prefect Degara that she deserves an honorable death, but like they spend like she they just keep her alive for the entire the rest of the book. Like, why have they not killed her at some point? Well, because she's not in battle. An honorable death would be for her to fall in battle. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, sure. I, I That's that the, and sense. if you don't have any way for her to start fighting or whatever, then yeah, we can't kill her yet. Yeah, and they also the, the they also like entertain the the thought of uh, trying to convert her to Yuzen Vong, which I don't know exactly how that would work. It's, I know a little more about that because I saw one thing later. Yeah. You know, shouldn't have read the middle of this series by accident. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was, uh, I, I, but by I didn't know how that would work, I, I mean that I don't remember exactly how it works. Uh, it probably wouldn't given the one time it happens. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, Anyhow. um, so we, we, we get that little scene and then we get off to, uh, to Lando's thing. And this is uh this is actually like this is maybe my favorite part of the book is this little scene with um uh with the the solo kids running uh Lando's land the Lando's folly uh, uh <laughs> obstacle course basically. Yeah. 
Yeah, the kids are actually having a little bit of fun here and uh, getting to see them show off and, hey, this is what they're good at is kind of neat. Yeah, and compete with each other, like friendly competition. And um, So basically what it is is that uh, there's there's an asteroid field and uh, Lando has... <clears throat> Lando has like co-opted these these tie fighters uh with uh they have a ship that generates shields. Yeah. And so they they get shields from another ship and uh you just fly through the asteroid field and see how far you can get and how long you can stay you can stay in it without crashing. And apparently he keeps a board of records here because of course he does because how do you gamble without that? Right. <laughs> and so uh, not a shock. All the force sensitive kids make it onto the board, mm-hmm. and Jaina is exceptional to the point that is she first or second on this one. Uh, she is first. Yeah. Um. She because she like basically goes into like this like uh this like unity with the force uh yeah. thing where she just like has totally fallen into the force and uh flies through the entire asteroid field like she comes out the other side. Yeah, and she's completely unscathed and is like. And she did it quickly, too. There was no hesitation, just zip-zoom-dodge. Yeah, and she's, like, totally crushed. Like, the record was, like, 27... Like, the, or the record before her was, like, 12 minutes or something, uh, set by Kip Duran. Of course. And then she does... She She's in there for, like, 27 minutes and just, like, d- completes the whole thing. So, at this point, we start flipping around a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's just little bits of adventure, because we can't have the heroes aware of things yet, so they're just kind of, you know, running lighter stuff. Meanwhile, uh, Car- Joman Carr is killing a lot of people around the base at Excal 4, and every time something's being fixed, he fucks it up again, and eventually he just murders the handyman. Yeah, I would say at some point, like everybody on, uh, by by the time that you, that Excal Four becomes important again, everybody on there will be dead except for Yeoman Carr. Yeah, yeah, it's just at this point he's just starting to straight up pick people off like he's Freddy. Yeah, he's just he's just doing cleanup. Yeah, uh, Noma Moore gets off of Romamul. They fuck up some ships in the process, and he heads out to a planet called Cernpedal. And they discuss. Uh, okay, it, it's it's not that he heads to Cernpedal, all. It's that uh, this is where they they have uh, Nominor and uh, Dagara have the conversation about uh, destroying Cernpedal. I thought he was there briefly. So uh, he 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 may have. I guess he may have gone there to put the Dovin battle there. Yeah, I, it's just like yeah. Hey, I'm I'm heading over to this chunk of uh, the galaxy, and we're gonna set things up. And they discuss. Hey, you know what would happen if we smashed gravity together with a moon and a planet? Yeah, which is I guess that's crazy. a tactic. Like what 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 they end up doing is, and I love how like this is just like a Yuzenvong war tactic. Yeah. Um. That but like they they can use it and they can't use it uh, against people in their galaxy because they know how to combat it. But the people in uh, our galaxy like don't know, so they are able to use this tactic. And to devastating effect. Yes, uh, which we will we will learn about shortly. Oh yeah. Um. But yeah. So then, um. <clears throat> uh, Lando, Lando, and Leia kind of like uh, cajole uh, Han and Chewie into into running the uh, the 
uh, accelerated belt as well. Yeah. And it's it's uh it's it's pretty funny because like Lando is just like kind of pushing him a little bit, and then Leia Leia just decides to go along with it. Yeah. Leia and Lando always seem to get along very well when I see those characters because it's like let's both bust uh, Han's balls. Yeah, <laughs> which is good because he he needs it sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah. If not, he starts running a weird cruiser with uh, space squids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with uh, with Yamosks. Yeah. I just thought I just realized that those things kind of look like Yamosks. Holy shit! It was yeah, without the tooth. Yeah, without the <laughs> without the giant tooth. Um, but yeah, so uh, so Han and Han and Chewie, uh, the the there's a malfunction and their their shields go down, and so yeah. they're out there totally naked, like flying this uh, this Tie Fighter, uh, in this belt. asteroid yeah. belt without realizing that uh, they don't have shields. Yep. Um, and they end up uh, they they end up kind of crashing, but uh, Han is able to land uh, the the tie on a on an S asteroid. Yeah, which is just like I, I, that that whole scene was just there to be like, hey, remember how good of a pilot Han Solo is? He still is. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, uh, I think at this point, Kip starts running around and becomes a character. We watch. Yes, yeah, this is where we actually get some some Kip Duran stuff. Uh, yeah. He, uh, he and his he and his uh, squadron, the dozen and two Avengers, which is God, I hate uh, that name. what a terrible name. Um, <laughs> there are some bad but, names in Star Wars, but that's a bad name by our standards. Yes, a hundred percent agreed. <laughs> uh, so they, they, you find out that he has basically like a, a a beacon out in space that he's like he he's using to like track smugglers flying through the area. Yeah. And that beacon had picked up the space caster uh, coming from Belkadon to, Hes- to Helska, to the ice planet. Hmm. And uh, so they're like, oh, what? This doesn't make any sense. Why don't we go check this out? And so his dudes start running as another faction. Yeah, for exactly one scene. Yeah, but it's. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They all just get. Because then ganked. they all immediately die. Yeah. Uh,. Everybody but Kip dies, and uh, he's well. There's there's Kip, and also Miko. Miko Reglia doesn't die either. Okay, that's true. Miko will end up the other general. Yeah. All right. So yeah. they uh they, they fly to Helska Four, and they're like trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and uh they they get into a skirmish with the Coral Skippers, the Yuzenvong like fighter fighter ships. And at um, this point, combat with these things is pretty much, they're generating way more shields, they don't know any weak points, they just look like asteroids to people, and everyone is getting wrecked by these. Yeah, like, every, up until the very end of this book, like, every time you, you run into the Coral Skippers, they are, like, kind of crushing it. Yeah. And I really I really like the, like the description of the Coral Skippers and, like, how they, how they fight. Yeah, they're a weird little ship, and they are mostly, you know, because it's non-technological, it's all organic, they're they're grown, and they're shoving out and consuming a lot of debris. They yeah, fire they, uh, off they, rocks. You learn later on that they eat rocks. Yeah. Like they actually eat. Yeah, they, they consume those for nutrients, but then they can just fire them off as both propulsion and weapon. Yes. You know, need to go faster? Huck a rock behind you. 
Yep. <laughs> it's uh, it's a very interesting setup, and especially when we see squadrons of these things, because it's like, yeah, they're coordinating and they're all semi telepathic with each other, so they know to dot. You know, okay, he's gonna fling a rock dodge. Yeah, it's good fight scenes. Yeah, it is. I actually, I really like the space battles in this book. Like they're all they're all described pretty well. And it was about this point that I think I realized, hey, you know what? Uh, R.A. Salvatore's gotten a lot better as an author since I was a kid and the first Driz book came out. <laughs> yeah. Like, th- these are some really good fight scenes, which, admittedly, he always kind of excelled at combat and things. But it's like, this is him describing things on a whole other scale than, and 1,000 orcs versus a drow, go. <laughs> and then he swung his sword to the left, and then he swung his sword to the right. His arm was a little tense, because you know it really hurts to keep lifting it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know. Uh, but yeah, so then then we also, uh, so as <clears throat> as uh, Kip's whole uh, squadron is, like, destroyed, um, he is able to to attempt to escape, um, but they, the Yuzenvong... Uh, send out these little, like, insects, uh, the Grutchens, they're called. Yes. Uh, which are basically, like, uh, according to this uh, this Wikipedia page, they look like locusts, basically. They pretty much are space bugs. Yeah, they're just space bugs. Uh, but the, uh, the the Grutchens, like, are, they, they're, they damage his ship uh, so that he has to, uh, he has to jump, uh, do a bunch of, like, short hyperspace jumps. Uh, rather yeah. than just being able to fly through hyperspace. It's a very um, interesting way to make sure that, you know, you might not be able to take them out, but you could just get a couple of these on an enemy ship, and then all of a sudden metal is a problem and everything's going to shit. Yeah. And so uh, because of that, uh, <laughs> this is where we uh, every, everybody's got to conveniently get to Cernpadol about this at about the same time. Yeah, he's he's doing the Luke Skywalker. Well, everything's busted, so I can only do short hops in hyperspace. Yeah, and so he uh, he heads towards Cernpadol, and also Lando um, uh, asks Han to go to Cernpadol to deliver some cargo. Yes, uh, and Han Han really doesn't want to go, but he ends up is he, uh, Lando ends up convincing him. Yeah, because Lando um, and then they always also, has a favor to call in. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then they also have like uh, uh, Kip, Kip had also sent out a a message a, a, a transmission, uh, say the, to just a general transmission saying, "Hey, someone should go check out this planet Belkaden." That's true. And so, uh, so Luke and Luke and Mara end up deciding to go. That they're they're going to go there. Yeah, yeah. This is this is where things just start to unravel for our heroes because if you thought things were going bad right uh, so far. Yeah, they, they can get so down. much worse. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you mentioned there was a survivor of the dozen and two Avengers. Yes, the other Jedi, Miko yeah. Reglia. Miko Reglia, who is thrown in with Denny Kui. He's a Jedi. The Yuzan Vong hate this dude. Like, instantly, they're like, yeah, Danny's good, but you, you're trash. Yeah, and it... it, it they they show a little bit later on that like oh they they're basically just trying to break him by telling him that he's not worthy. Yeah. And so the two of these guys are in the same cell and they're like we should get out of here. What can we do to get out of here? So at one point a uh, Vong comes in, they knock them out 
and they try and sneak out with a cloak, and they have little critters that breathe for them that can. It's organic tech. You should probably just yes. as you should probably just think anytime I say a wee beastie or whatever, it's some sort of use <laughs> on Vong tech. But at that point, they get picked up and are taken to a big ass assembly hall. Just think the Galactic Council of Use and Vong, but only on one ship. Yeah, it's 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 this ship's council. Yeah. And in effect, there's a big like this is the big kickoff to the war has begun. We're gonna have a party, and look, we brought in a pinata, but a Yuzan Vong pinata eats Jedi, so Miko dies. <laughs> uh he doesn't he doesn't die here. They like uh this this is where they start like trying to like basically break him by like tell by pretending that they're gonna eat him over and over again. Oh right, right. He does have the fucked up torture scene. Yeah, they like torture him by like by like uh the Yamosk like pretends that it's gonna eat him, like drags him to its maw and then like lets him go at the last second. God, that's right, I forgot they test his endurance, yeah. Yeah, which is really intense. Yeah. So should we jump Uh, to Sernpadal? Yeah, and then, and then we're off to Cernpadal. Uh Han, Han uh, Anakin uh, comes along to Cernpadal with uh, Han and Chewie. Yeah. And uh, gosh, what is the what is the thing that they're shouting? Shit. Over uh, and over again, Tosi Karu. Yes. Um. So they they land on the they land on the planet on Cernpadal, and uh, uh, the the people on the planet are just like going crazy, like yelling, running around, yelling Tosi Karu, Tosi Karu. <laughs> Um, and you find out that Tosikaru is like their god, basically. Yeah, and they're yelling that because they think that Tosikaru is coming to them because uh, the smaller of their two moons is like crashing into the planet, sort of. Yeah, they they get there and within about a minute or two, they're like, that should not be that close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's like that whole there. There's that whole conversation where like uh, Anakin's like, uh, "That's is that Dobito, which is the smaller moon." Yeah. Uh, and the man that they're talking to is like, "Yeah, that's Dobito." And Han's like, "Dobito is the smaller moon. Like, why is it? Why does it look so huge? Big? Yeah." Uh, and so they they kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah. At this point, they are all brought up to speed, and they find the device, and it's like, we got seven hours. Yeah, so the timer they find, is they, find a, uh, they find the Dovan Basil specifically, which is a gravity generating creature that the Yuzen Vong use. Always a creature. I yep. told oh, you, it's always a creature. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, it, it like generates like gravity wells, and it can like pull. It, 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 it's really interesting, like the way that it works, um, because Anakin finds it, and he like goes in to like kind of attack it to try to to try to stop it from what, doing what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it like reverses its gravity to pull itself deeper into the planet, so he can't get to it. Yeah, it's an interesting setup because yeah, uh, that's not what anyone expects when they're like, "Oh, this is just some kind of device." Oh no, that lives! Whoa! <laughs> and then they're screwed because yeah, this thing is now shielded itself, but it's still pulling down the moon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so Han and Chewie and Anakin and this uh, the mayor, this uh, this old man who is kind yeah. of helping them out. Um. They decide that they're going to uh, going to like try to round up everybody on the planet and get as many of them off the planet as they can. Yeah, let's you know we got seven hours to evacuate a mass of a planet, and these are Star Wars planets where the whole things turn into giant cities, so these are dense. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So then uh, th- then we get 
this is I'm, I'm actually just gonna jump forward and like talk about this whole like this yeah whole let's bit. let's do uh, serpent all at once yeah we'll just do all of serpent all um so we get like the, the the heroes like running around the planet and like uh like rounding up like as many ships and as many people as i can yeah um and the mayor uh decides that he's going to uh that he's going to sacrifice himself to kill the the basil the Dovan yeah. basil yeah, he suicide bombs this thing to make sure that it goes down. Yeah, he does and not so, want like, it to escape. Yeah, as, as the moon is like, as the moon is coming down, like it is a breached atmosphere and is like dangerously close to the planet. Um, they're like, everything starts to go wrong here. Like this is uh this is pretty intense. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so Chewie and Anakin are like running off, like grabbing like a la- the last few kids, and like this specifically, what happens is Anakin hears a kid crying uh, under some rubble. Yeah, and so he runs to go rescue that kid, and like gets knocked out uh, when he's rescuing. So uh, Chewie grabs Anakin and tosses him up to Han in the ship, uh, and then Chewie isn't Han isn't able to get Chewie onto the ship before yeah he the can't planet, get closer to this point. The so sorry. Yeah, he can't get any closer because at this point yeah. everything is becoming a massive gravity fuckfest. Yeah, and like it, it, it's described as like Anakin is piloting the Falcon at this point. It's like if if he hadn't left when he had, like they would just all have died. Yes. Everybody on the ship had, would have died. Yeah, Han is outside talking to Chewie, trying to get him on, and yeah, Anakin drives off. Yeah, and so so we get our our. I love the the whole description of like Chewie's like last defiant stance, like roaring at a moon. Yep. It's, and so Chewbacca dies here, and it's, it's very an incredibly sad. metal death. And this is probably one of the only things I knew about the extended universe. And I don't <laughs> think we're going to get anything nearly as good a send off for this character. Yeah. Um. So a little personal thing about me, uh, as a younger person who was really into Star Wars, uh, Chewbacca has been my favorite character uh, for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so this uh, <laughs> this death here actually stopped me from finishing. Uh, this book multiple times. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I would just get angry and stop reading it. <laughs> I could see that. Uh, so I, th- I think I read the book like three or four times before I actually was able to push past uh, this bit. So you you on. were more like Han after this then? Yes, I was I was very sullen and angry like Han Solo. Because Han uh, who, rips Anakin a new one for this. Yes, he does. He's basically like, you just killed my best friend. Yeah, which is understandable. Like, I, I understand why he feels that way, for sure. Oh, yeah. Even but, though, like, it was not, like, that's not, obviously not what actually happened. But, yeah, he's ripping his own son a new one. Because, like, yeah, I prefer him to you right now. Yeah. <laughs> um. But, yeah, so then uh, let's let's actually bounce back to Bel- Belkaden now that we've talked about that. Yes. So Luke um, and Mara arrive, and the place is covered in poison gas. Yes, and beetles. Like the beetles are just all dead. Yeah. Um, and like they 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 really describe like how like walking through just like they're just like crunching through these dead beetles, and that's like such a gross image in my mind. Yeah, they yeah they're just everywhere. They're making sure they're not breathing in this horrible toxic gas. And eventually, through this cloud, they find the Excal outpost. Yes, and uh, Yeoman Carr has, like, seen them landing, so he, uh, he he's ready for a fight. Like, he knows that they're there. Yeah, and he's still stalking around. He hasn't left yet. Yep, still, still doing his slasher movie thing. Yep, but he's the only survivor anymore. Yeah, yeah, he's it's just him now. 
So and they're... so they uh they they set up R two uh, Luke and Luke and Mara set up R two like uh, on some of the computers uh, yeah, to hey, download some some hey, files. Get all the info R two. We're gonna look around a little more. Yeah. And Mara finds a scientist's journal and a bottled up, still living beetle. Yes. Uh, the scientist mentions that Carr just kept saying, no, this is a weather pattern. This is a weather pattern. And <laughs> the final words are, because of course this is how a journal entry in a survival horror game goes. Yep. I believe it is linked to and stops suddenly. Yep. There's uh, there's no further uh, information in the journal. And then uh, before Mara can like kind of look for any, any anything else, uh, she hears R2 like, kind of screaming in, in the room that he was in. And, and he's screaming because Yeoman Carr has attacked him. Yep, they hate droids. Yep, they really hate droids, as we previously discussed. And so Mara, this is actually where we get the first like uh, hand to hand uh, the using Vong versus Jedi fight. Yeah, and they, she's actually getting tripped up by this dude because even with her reflexes, he's fighting in a style they've never seen before. Yeah, and, uh, and I guess we didn't actually we didn't actually talk about this uh, when when we talked about the Yuuzhan Vong, but they are like uh, the Jedi can't really sense them in the Force. Well, that's why I was going to bring that up here. I didn't bring it up earlier. Okay, okay. Because yeah, um, they're not they're dead to the Force. And yeah, it's like they don't exist. As yeah, far as they the are a void. And a lot of powers will not work. You know, you can try and shove them, and at most they might trip, but they're very yeah. resistant. Um, eventually I know they figure out that you can start using them in creative ways to get to them. Like you can't force push this guy, but you can force push a pot into his skull. Right. And that still, that still hurts him because that's like a pot hitting him. Yeah. But they, at the moment it's just like, why aren't my powers working? And that's just more fodder for this dude to catch her off guard. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a, it's a very back-and-forth fight. Finally, she gets the lead, and his final words are that she was worthy. Yes. Um, two things about the fight. Uh, the Two of my favorite Yuzen Vong uh, weapons uh, are used in this fight. Mm -hmm. uh, the Amphistaff and the, th the Thudbugs. Thudbugs I like because the name is hilarious. It's true, and it's a very Star Wars thing to call grenades Thudbugs. Yeah, it's uh actually uh, specifically um, guns that fire bullets rather than uh, rather than energy beams in Star Wars are called slug throwers. Oh my god! And so that's that is very Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the thud bugs, uh, they're like basically like living living. Uh, again, I don't know why why I even keep saying living. Uh, they're little beetles that he throws, and they just cause like a concussion. It's yeah. it's a concussion grenade, basically. Yeah, they're they're tiny, non-lethal like grenades to throw her off. Yeah, and then the amphistaff is a, such a cool design. Like just the the thought of an amphistaff is so cool. I would love to have one. Let me find a way to look one of these up. I'm sure I'm sure we can find it on Wikipedia, but it's like it's basically That's like a snake yeah. that can like make itself hard. Huh. Okay, that um, actually is yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's uh and that's that's huh. like what his uh his hand to hand weapon is, is this uh it's a it's a snake that can like turn itself into a staff and he can also use it as a whip and stuff. Yeah, and this it, uh, is, this it, is it like spits yeah. poison from its from its mouth. 
Yeah, it's kind of like a segmented. Um, I can't think of what the hell those are called. Not a bow staff. Like a like the little screw together staffs you might use for practice or sparring. Except it's, it's it can go it's from the puzzling that stone to, sword from Dark Souls Two. You're talking to the wrong man here, but okay. Or uh, Ivy's sword from Soul Calibur. Thank you. That's a much better one, and I yeah. really should have gone with that to begin with. <laughs> it's yeah, it's more or less that, but it's a it's a it's a staff rather than a sword. Yeah, it can flip back and forth between the two because it's a living thing connected to yes. the wielder. And it is super. I I love it. That's like it's it's like that's actually really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the ways they expand the living technology in this are all really interesting ideas, and you have to wonder what the hell made them come up with this in the first place. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. so then we uh then we get um R2 like figures out they 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 using the the information that uh R2 has found, uh, they figure out that uh the people on the planet had gone to the Helska system. Yeah. And so they decide that they're going to go there as well to figure out what's go to try to figure out what's going on. Um they are pretty sure that the Beatles, Belkaden, and Force Cancer are linked. Yes. Oh, yeah, because uh, Mara, Mara is also, like, talking about how her disease is getting worse. Yeah. Like, she feels much worse after this, uh, after, oh, after yeah. being on Belkaden. Yeah, this whole thing has made her feel shitty, and they've got the Beatle sample, and they head out, and one of the... I can't remember its names. The voice sphere. Oh, the Villip. The Villip, yeah, thank you. The Villips just uh, pops out, was clearly meant to talk to Yeoman Carr, and it just says a bunch of crap no one can understand. Yeah, because of course they can't understand it uh, at this point. They will They will soon enough, but they can't right now. Yeah. And so they head out. Yeah. I so just love the mental to... image of this thing flips out, starts talking, and everyone's like, uh... <laughs> what uh what do we do here yeah is that good and so that so what they do is they shove it in a bag and then they shove that bag in the locker yes and everyone heads out yeah and then um <clears throat> the, the they they get to helska 4 and luke uh luke takes off in his x-wing uh to go down and and check out the planet At and while he's point? down there he like yeah. gets uh he, he gets grabbed by a uh um, tractor a beam. tractor beam. What he thinks is a tractor beam. Yeah, it's actually a Dovin vessel. Um, in the meantime, Dagara is uh, watching the whole thing on Serpentol, but he notices some ships are getting off. So he has sent battle groups to follow each ship to the next planet, and is yeah. like, <laughs> "We're in war now, and we have the advantage." Yeah, and this is a. They have this whole conversation about how, like, this is like this is where like the war begins. This is no this is no longer like us infiltrating. Yeah, we are here. We are very open about this, and we have an advantage. Let's push it. Yeah. And so yeah, so then um, uh, Han in his in his anger and distraughtness, um, yeah, he decides to go back to Cernpital. And so he's like going to just like he's just like is like convinced that he can find Chewie, um, yeah. but while he's there, uh, conveniently, uh, Kip Duran shows up, who needs some help. Yeah, yeah. 
And so they uh they 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 pick him up. Yeah. He's still being kind of shitty around this part. Yeah. But it's um like, it's your own kid, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hans is really still really shitty to Anakin, Hans but an then uh, then Anakin chapters. does something real cool. Yeah. And that kind of makes him he he cools a little bit. Yeah. After Anakin uh he what he does is he like basically shocks the whole of the Falcon uh yeah, to get to- the 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 insect things off the Gretch- the Gretchens. Gretchens, yeah. I'm really I'm really bad at remembering all these names. No, no, <laughs> they're they're all so incredibly new to me, and I'm pretty sure by the second book I'll be better at this. But like, yeah, right now it is all words that have way too few vowels. Yeah, they're they're all Teflon names too, so <laughs> that doesn't help. The Yulip, the Gretchen, the. I'm literally looking up the page to remember. I wanted to say Dovahkiin to remember what the fuck the war count. The, the, the Dovan Basil? Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But yeah, so then we uh, then we find out that um, that they're they, they need to get the uh, the ships to back to Lando's base uh, yeah. to beat the to beat the invading force there. Yeah. Um. So at this point. Let me try and just place where everyone is in this shit show. Luke, <laughs> uh, Luke has been jacked into a tractor beam, is getting messed up, fires his torpedoes, and then starts getting chased by coral skippers. Yeah, and then uh, his ship is pretty pretty beat up, but he's able to. Uh, Mara Jade is able to pick him up. Yeah, and I was going to say, that's where those two are. They start heading back to uh, Debrillion. Yes, which is Lando's Which is Lando's base. I don't think we named it earlier. Yeah. Uh, Han has got Kip and is also heading back. And in the meantime, Leia is attempting to get any kind of backup for them. And they've got three days before the closest possible ship. Yeah, and the the captain of his ship is like he's so like so typically like uh like super blustery uh war commander. Yeah. Uh where he's like, Well, we don't need any other ships, like I'll I'll take care of this by myself. I don't need I don't need any help from other uh from other capital ships or whatever. I feel like it should be pointed out that anyone who ever argues with Leia Organa always ends up regretting it. Yeah, because she's great and correct all the time. Yeah. It's just like, why would you ever do History has proven all of you the wrongest. <laughs> why are you still arguing with her? Yeah. No, really, get me more men. No, no, I'm good. Oh my god, you asshole. No, I can do this by myself. I, I just feel like that's how Leia ends half of her conversations. Oh my god, you asshole, as she turns off the view screen. <laughs> And you wonder why she just wants to stop being like in the public eye. Yeah, pretty much. Like, why am I, I think it makes a sense. Uh, so everyone is massing at at Dubrillian, and this yeah. is where we get the Battle of Dubrillian. Yeah, which is the first fight, the first major battle in the Yuuzhan conflict. There's a really good detail here. And we're seeing this from, you know, the crew of the Falcon, because it's our main characters. The Falcon screen turns red on the sensors because there's just such a density of enemy ships out there. Yeah, I love this description. 
Because, like, it talks about, like, Han, Han is, like, looking at, his, at the sensors and, like, there's, like, a few, like, green blips here and there, like, the other ships that are near him. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, the screen is just red. Yeah, it, at first it's like, Anakin, you broke some shit, and then he realizes what's happened. <laughs> like, oh, nope, turns out, uh, not so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Han is in, like, full, like, angry dad mode also for this, for this part of the, the bar- oh, part yeah, of the book. Oh, yeah, this, this is a very good set of fights. So, Han is in the Falcon, uh, the Solo children all get into ships and they start doing planetary defense because they set up the asteroid running ship that makes the shields to do defense for them Mm -hmm. as a so they become an offensive force that way and then decide that after that eventually gets taken out well screw it we're off the leash yeah because they're han solo's kids but right because of course they are (laughs) yeah so they start pulling dad's old trick and they lure the guys into the asteroid belt yeah and this is we get, a, we get a really cool scene here like this is uh, super like uh this is something that i know like uh when i talked about when we, when we talked about like family stuff with chris in the last episode yeah uh like how how the force like connects families like this whole scene of the siblings like joining senses basically is so fun That's yeah so cool. basically they're they're using uh Jaina is giving them that extra edge, but they all link up and just sort of fly in motion. And meanwhile, they're luring the Vong ships into different asteroids as traps because they know the course and they don't. Yeah. And, and uh, so they're 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 able to hold this link, but not for super long. And when it breaks, uh, Anakin is kind of disoriented uh, and uh, runs into an asteroid, uh, which doesn't well, destroy his ship, but sends him spinning and he's like going to die. Or gonna the the ship is probably gonna be destroyed, so he jumps to hyperspace. Yeah, he just does a quick jump to make sure he does not hit anything. Yeah, which uh, which Jason, Jason like tells him like, hey, you need to go to hyperspace now. Yeah, uh, and so he does. Um, which actually, uh, I'm pretty sure that I can't remember if this is uh this is this is gonna be me this is gonna be me being really nerdy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure that the most Tie Fighters don't have hyperspace capability. Yeah, well. But Let's, you know, whatever. It's it was it was important for the story. <laughs> yeah, huh? Uh, Lando tweaked him. Otherwise, they say they're modified. Let's just say yeah, he sure. so guess, shoved I it in under the hyperspace capability to them. It's there instead of the airbags. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but so Anakin is gone, and Han and Leia are just like kind of furious. Leia yeah. not so much, but Han is furious. Yeah, they basically tell the twins, all right, you two assholes get down here because I'm not losing other kids today. And yeah. we can't really go looking for Anakin in the middle of a massive space brawl. Yeah, and um, so so the twins get back down to the planet and they're like, everybody there has like watched what they what they did on the on the uh, the, the monitors. Yeah. And so they're they're greeted like like heroes because they are heroes. Um, and then their parents show up and rip them new ones. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Jason also has like a, a realization. This is where he starts maybe softening his uh, his junior philosopher stance a little bit. Yeah, because he had to be linked to other actual minds. <laughs> yeah, and that, that helped him see things maybe from Anakin's point of view a little bit. And meanwhile, Anakin is floating in space just going, Boy, I hope I didn't kill my siblings too. I can die alone, yep. but it's really a little morbid. Yeah, it's a, it's a little intense here. Um but they are a uh 
they, they go off, uh, Han and Leia go off searching for him and, uh, but they're able to, uh, they're able to find him because he is, he's sent out like a, like a, basically like a force message to his, to his mom to tell him where, where he is. Force text. Yes. <laughs> it's the family plan. Anyhow, at this point we have, we get a little bit more about how the Vong living ships work. Uh, mm-hmm. Because they've surrounded the planet at this point, and one of the Yamasks is going to give birth. Yes. So they will just install it on the planet to start colonizing. Yeah, and this is also, I think this is also where we get the, uh, this is where where they talk about how the, uh, uh, they, they'll be able to grow the coral for the coral skippers on Belkaden. Mm, true, yeah. So yeah, they they now have or are attempting to get an advanced base from which they can start having all these invasions. Yes, um, and they t- they talk about how like this is a this is the they're getting ready to start the second level of conquest. So the first level was invasion. The second level was perpetuation. Yeah, and so it's and basically just like we're going to be in perpetual conflict until we until we conquer this whole galaxy. Yeah, this is how we actually take things on, and yeah, now there's no subtlety. This is just open warfare. Yeah, this is, yeah, we are in full-on war at this point. And do they ever actually say how long they started preparing for this? Because Um, they basically... You know, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just kind of curious what the time frame they're working with is here, because it's like, yeah, they, they set up two maybe three planets prior to this but that was enough to get a whole advanced base going and cripple a sector mm-hmm. i'm uh i'm scrolling through their their wikipedia page to see if i can find anything eh, they probably don't let's be honest but yeah. eh, given how much they introduce in this one that you know feels like it came from something else but uh, force cancer no that's new i think it just came out of nowhere <laughs> I get the sense there was not a lot of lead up to these guys before Vector Prime. Um, according according to this uh, this Wikipedia article, there's a lot. Uh, we won't get super into this, but oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> when the Yuuzhan left the galaxy, uh, how long their voyage took, or if they even knew what their destination would be, was unknown. At least one account spoke of their journey taking at least several millennia. However, by huh. 26 after the Battle of Yavin, one of the or- oldest warships, old- world ships, old enough to be dying and considered to be ancient, was less than 1,000 years old. So, Hmm, okay. That's also an interesting scale because, yeah, we don't have the consideration of what aging technology would do when it's a living being. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I highly recommend reading this, uh, reading this article at some point. It seems pretty interesting. All right, I'll probably do that between this and the next book then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, this is where we, uh, Luke, Luke being back on Debrillian, uh one of the Coral Skippers is still alive. Um, yeah, they've so brought one to... down so they can start looking at it, figuring out what their enemy has. Yeah, so they're able to, uh, they're able to figure out what's going on with it, and they use C-3PO to kind of translate what's, uh, what, what the, the, the language. Yes. Um, which uh, is impressive, considering it's an extragalactic language. Eh, C-3PO, something, something, it's his one superpower. Yeah, that is his one superpower. <laughs> uh, there's a bit in here that... Um, 
we kind of didn't touch on earlier where they have a living coral skipper and that's because everything like i said everything in this race is designed around a warrior's death and so on so they go out of their way in future to make sure that no one can get a living sample of their tech. Uh, yes. Yeoman Carr fucked up by letting them have a beetle, and this pilot is going to be, like, dishonored in the history books for a century because of the fact that he let them have a coral skipper. Yeah. Uh, which basically, like, you know, it, it, let, it let them figure out a way to beat the coral skippers. Yeah, this is a huge turning point, and without this, they might have gotten rolled for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and so I, I think it's really cute here where uh, the they, they make C-3PO put on the helmet for the Coral Skipper to uh, kind of speak to it and learn its language. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, uh, it's hungry. <laughs> like, it needs to eat. Yep. I really like that. Yeah. 3PO, I enjoy that... What I've seen of these, most writers know 3PO does not need to be a comedy character. Although there is that bit in the start of the book that we skipped over where it's like, uh, yes, let me continue telling you about all the times oh. that <laughs> Leia Organa has actually dealt with men more stubborn than Nama Moore. And both Mara and Leia are both going, shut up, 3PO. Shut up, 3PO. Yeah, yeah, that was very, that was very funny. Yeah, that's. I think that's the one comedy bit he does in this, and I actually really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so at this point, they have the New Republic backup gets there. Everything is kind of at a standstill for the moment. Yeah, and the, this uh, the, some more some more blustering from the uh, from the the captain of the Star Destroyer. Uh, his name is Warshak Rojo or Rojo. Rojo. Let's that. say Rojo. It's totally yeah, Rojo, Rojo makes more sense. Warshack Red. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he he like shows up and he's like, all right, let's go to the planet and and fight them right now, uh, so we can get back to the more important issues. And Leia's just like, uh, there's a war on. I think this maybe is the most important issue. Yeah. Um. But he doesn't see it as a war at this point. He just sees it as like a small force that he just needs to take care of. And in the meantime. Luke has a plan that they're going to try use mining ships to get through ice. Mm-hmm. Yes, which the, uh, yeah, the ice borer or uh, stupidly named a stylus ship. Yeah, I've heard worse. Um, <laughs> but at this point, you know, he's trying to get this together, and he doesn't quite spell out what he's thinking at first, does he? Uh, no, not exactly. He but, he basically just like wants to get in there and like kind of figure out what's going on, basically. Yeah, he's he's got this plan, and so this whole thing is going on, and Jason and Jaina actually just jack the ship and take off in the night, leaving a message with R2. Mm-hmm. Which, again, these kids are just making everyone's day right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, of, of course, like, Han and... Han and Leia are just like, man, what are, what are these kids doing? Uh, but then Luke, uh, Luke kind of steps in and he's like, hey, listen, like, you're raising Jedi Knights. Like, this is what's, get used to it. This is what's going to happen. Yeah. And I do have to say, Luke has basically stayed out of his nephew's business until now. But it's like, all right, no, you see what they did earlier? You see that they're Jedi now. This is my area of expertise. Yeah. 
He's like, yeah, like this is this is just how it's going to be. Like you, you're at some point, you're not going to be able to keep up with them anymore. Yeah, and it's it's a good scene because yeah, they don't argue about it. He just goes, look, Jedi business, and Han pouts a little, but Leia's like, ah, shit. Yeah, like he's kind of right. <laughs> yeah, I can barely keep up with them, honey, and I'm force sensitive. <laughs> so we start prepping for the major like this is basically act three yeah and this is this is like the the, the, this is the final action of the book yeah so let's just put in where like let's just set up where everyone is before everything goes to hell um we have han leia anakin and lando set up in the falcon luke and mara get in the jade saber Kip finds another squadron of fighters that he is not allowed to name. <laughs> yeah, no no dozen and two Avengers for you again, Kip. Yeah. Uh Roho gets his war group at well, war group. It's it's his ship and other And the fleet, yeah. Yeah, fleet that they have. Uh one thing I do like, they have a Star Destroyer. Yes. This is them um, using actual old Empire tech as part of the New Republic. Yeah, they uh they they actually like that this is not this is not a new thing. Like they've been using Star Destroyers like ever since. Gotcha. Okay, this is this is new to me. I because yeah, I'm yeah. seeing you know we had the Mon Calamari ships earlier. This is new. So yeah, they they also use Star Destroyers. All right. And then we cut to the Jedi twins on the ice planet. Yes. Um. Let's talk about the Stylus ship for a minute uh, because we didn't talk about it really at all. Yeah. Um. It's basically like it's it's a very narrow and uh, and long ship that is used to like mine to drill into uh, into ice. Uh, so to fly this ship, you have to spend the whole flight to wherever you're going in the ship, like basically just like laying flat in the ship, uh, and you get launched out of the uh, out of the carrier carry ship's uh, missile launcher, mm-hmm. which was, which was pretty pretty cool, like. For for a dumb dumbly named thing, like I just like I, I like the idea of just like shooting a ship out of another ship. And I confess, this whole scene, I maybe it's just because I'm a nerd, but I just started thinking of the Ice Pirates for the whole thing. You ever see that movie? I have not. It's a weird debacle. Oh, good, my asshole neighbors are revving their motorcycle now. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, the the Ice Pirates is basically a weird debacle where, like, water is the biggest... Oh my god, fuck you. <laughs> I'm just gonna wait a moment and hopefully we can just slice this and I'll start. Thank you. So the Ice Pirates is a, is a comedy sci-fi movie. Water is the most important thing in the galaxy, and... It's a mess of a film, but I will always remember it because it had such weird ships for cutting this stuff up. And because the movie ended with the children of the male lead and romantic partner coming because the whole thing was trapped in a time vortex. So their kid comes back in time, gets them out of this and breaks this vortex to allow them to become the new ice lords of the universe. It's just such a weird (laughs) ending. It's like... At no point prior to this, they've predestinated their own everything. Yeah. So that's always stuck with me, and that's what I started thinking of when they were flying okay. around on an ice planet. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, so uh, so uh, Jaina is able to fire Jason toward the planet. Yeah, um, and he, uh, he she she tells him before he before she lets him go. She's like, "Hey, don't fire your booster jets because you'll alert the the enemy that you're down yeah. that you're headed down there." Inertia and so, only. Of course, stupid. the first thing he does is fire a booster jet. Yep. <laughs> so at this point, Jaina begins doing damage control and just trying to hide. She fails. Yeah. Um, I like I like the whole thing like where she like flies around the backside of the sun and like keeps the sun at her back. Yeah. Uh, to try to keep the enemy from seeing her. Yeah, and she's trying. It's the whole let's do this on as little thruster or anything that has a signature. We want to just mm-hmm. look like we're debris. And but nope. of course it doesn't work. Uh, and the Vong are able to spot her and are are chasing after her, and she's like taking some damage. Uh, but. Just as just as they're going to destroy her, uh, the rejuvenator shows up. Kipteron is an ass again. Yep, yeah, and Kipteron is an ass again. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Jason is just like swimming and wandering around on the surface of the planet because he's had a pretty smooth time since he landed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he hasn't had any real issues. Uh, yeah. But he and, and he so he like heads towards what he thinks is the the Vong base or whatever. And he hears, uh, um, he hears a call for help, like a telepathic call for help. Yeah, uh, through the force. And so he's like, headed, he's trying to head toward that. Um, and he gets, uh, he gets caught up in this. Like he's so he's got a, uh, he's got the, the Vong ship and uh, the breather, the rebreather. Yeah. Uh, on, or the Vong ship, the Vong uh, cloak, the ma- the Uglith masker or cloaker. Yeah, so they they at first mistake him as one of their guys. Yes. And unfortunately, just as he's about to get away with it, someone goes, hey, that's a lightsaber on his belt. Yeah, like, hey, why do you have a lightsaber? <laughs> and so everything kicks off. Yep. And so the- he, uh, and so basically what happens is he, he is brought into the room where um, Danny Kui and Miko Regulia are. Yeah. And so he's he's like, okay, well, I'm just gonna start. I'm just gonna start fighting. Like, there's nothing else I can do here anyway. Yeah, and this is where because all the ships have shown up, we are at the Battle of Helska Four. Yes. So, the Republic basically gets jacked. Like Rojo is getting wrecked by the Coral Skippers because they're so completely coordinated. Every time he thinks he's got a handle on this. They just faint and take out another part of his ship. Yeah, and like he's he's convinced that he's like doing like that he's like the big bad here, like the the super badass guy. But uh, Anakin figures out that what's going on is that uh, the coral skippers are like basically connected the same way that he and uh, Jason and Jaina were. So they some begin sort of playing like telepathic link. So they begin playing sabotage by the Beastie Boys to destroy them all. And <laughs> wait, no, wrong one. Wait, wrong series. So uh, Anakin figures out that, yeah, this has got to be like what he was doing earlier and starts trying to figure out what can really be done. Uh, Jason is trying to get Danny out and get them out alive. And it's not going well. And then it gets weird. Yeah, like but, uh, Dan- I know Danny, uh, she like, uh, so so the way that the Uglith cloakers work um is that like there's like a release point basically by, by your nose 
Yeah. And so you press on that and the cloaker like starts to peel off of you. And so she like is able to like release one of the, uh, one of the Vong's cloakers and push him into the water. And because the water is so cold, it kills him. Yeah. Cause they're sort of lizardy. I don't yeah, know how much of that lizardy. is the splicing, but. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, so Jason is like the, the Vong have the upper hand on Jason at this point. Yeah. Uh, he's, but, he's all defense. Yeah, and so, but as he's uh, as he's like trying to keep himself alive, um, Miko Regalia uh, is able to uh, knock off a couple of the cloakers and like drags the Vong into the water with him, like yeah. basically sacrificing himself to protect uh, Jason and Danny. Yeah, and with this change in the battle, Jason takes out the last guys and he gets Danny out of there. Yes, um, because they they had brought a uh, a cloaker and a uh, Nolith. That's what it's called, the Gnolith or Nolith, the rebreather. Yeah, uh, they had brought one for Miko because they were taking him to the Yamosk to sacrifice him. So he starts getting off the planet just as they crush the Rejuvenator. Yes. Um, Jason flies out. Jaina is like, "Get in here!" and they. It's actually a pretty cool scene. She scoops up his tiny ship and without missing a beat just flies to hyperspace and that is yeah. the lead of the retreat. Everyone yeah, gets really the cool hell looking. out of dodge. So at this point everyone starts coordinating after the battle. Mm-hmm. And this Anakin, is where uh the, 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 our heroes like learn a lot about the Vong because Danny has learned a lot about the Vong. Well, yeah, Danny and Anakin's different uh, conclusions basically let them all put together the sort of hive mind aspect of everything from the one ship. Yeah. Uh, they're going to need to take that out, and they now know the Yamask is a thing because Danny has seen it. Yes, and so I actually, I, I love that. Like, it's it's really funny that uh, of all things that are being brought back from an earlier episode of this podcast, the shield ships come back. Yeah, remember those guys? Vaguely. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what they were were they they were these like giant ships or ships with giant shields uh, that carried giant shields uh, that Lando used on a previous operation, um, and he just happens to have some around. Uh, still, because of course he does, and so they decide what they're gonna do. Uh, they they have this big long conversation, like the all the Jedi do, uh, about like what they can do to 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 slow down or kill the Yamask. Um, and what they end up coming to is that like, oh, we need to we need to freeze it basically. Yeah. Um. So what they what they decide to do is they're gonna like use the shield chips to like reflect the energy back to the planet, the energy that the Yamask puts off when it's like controlling the 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 fleet so they're going to yeah everyone's going to be in space jammed and meanwhile did i just lose you uh no <laughs> I okay just, gotcha. I for a second that's cool you went say i didn't know i occasionally have those hiccups yeah. yeah so they're going to jam the signal and leave everyone in space uh completely lost and yes. disconnected and meanwhile they begin to try and evaporate the ice and just kind of cause an upheaval on the planet's ecosystem and killing mm-hmm. off as many of these guys as they can. 
Yeah, so, so they uh oh you first. They they get like uh they get like six of the shield chips to like kind of orbit the planet and like reflect back as much of the energy as they can. Yeah, and they're Dagara and the Yamask actually think they're just going. Oh, they're just gonna try and stop the surface cannons. This is just defense, and they're not mm-hmm. catching on. Yeah, and they it's like, oh, also no, that's not think actually what it is. They also think Danny is still in their custody because this is so immediately after the last time. Yes. Um, and, and then we uh, so so we get this whole we get this whole scene where like uh, as as the uh, the planet is is the temperature is cooling down on the planet. Um, the coral skippers are like uh, are like running into each other and like uh, like they're they've lost their coordination. Um, yeah, <laughs> we get. Uh, I think it's Anakin that shouts out that like, "Oh, the fourth state of matter, the mesocanally wave." Yeah, that's What's, like what is a mesocanally wave? Yeah, I confess I am not the most amazing physicist, but that is definitely not a thing I've heard of before. No, yeah, me neither. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, everyone is just kind of getting into their pairing off for the finale. Uh, Jaina and Mara are blasting it on the Jade Saber. He's just sort of piloting while the two Jedi are firing. Uh, and at this point, Mara passes out. Yes, and, and everything... like the, the, the ship is like falling to the planet. Yeah, Mara's passed out. Han is still not force sensitive, so he's a good pilot, but he's not their tier of pilot. And they're falling to Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone sees that you know things are going wrong. So Luke is like, uh, why is my wife's ship falling? And he pulls off a pretty cool move. He goes to catch the ship, but because he's got a tinier one, he flips his and fires the repulsors to boost them back up. Yeah, to like push it up into the air, which, yeah, this, this was a really cool like visual and like mental image. Imagine yeah. that happening. Because, yeah, he doesn't have a big enough ship for that. He's in a smaller thing, but he can give it that kick to keep them from freefall. Mm-hmm. Um, ice is starting to form in the atmosphere of this planet because yeah, of that, the shield Yeah, that's, that's what the Mesocanley wave is. Oh, oh. Is it, it's it, like the ice, the ice crystals are, like, exploding. Is that... Okay, cool. I did not get that. And, yeah, so this whole thing is... I... Oh my god, they made Ice-9. They're self-replicating ice crystals that destroy... <laughs> Holy shit. You're right, it is Ice-9. Holy <laughs> didn't shit. didn't realize that until just now. Yeah, wow. Okay, that's kind of sick. Um, yeah, the coral skippers are all collapsing and going back to the planet, and everything is going to hell, despite the fact that Luke is still down there. Yeah. And, but no, uh, it's cool, is... he got out. Yeah, this this is where like uh, Han kind of has like a revelation, like oh that oh um, I get it. Like I he 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 kind of like comes to the understanding of like what Anakin was doing because yeah he, he has, has to, to leave out. Luke on the planet, like even though he doesn't want to because there are other people's lives in his hands. So at this point, we basically just get a bunch of trailing plot threads in the final chapter or two of where this is going to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just uh, at this point. We're just like kind of setting up for the future of the series. Yeah, but they've they've taken out Helska Four. That whole hive mind is gone. Uh, this has denied them an advanced base, but not all of them because yes. Belkadon still exists. So Kip is hunting down the ones who got off planet. Mara is 
effectively in a coma right now. Yeah, she she like she wakes up and she just like kind of decides that like oh I want to go I want to go like meditate basically somewhere yeah, uh, to try to figure out what's going on with this disease. She is not in good shape and she basically is pretty much unconscious for the rest of the novel. Yeah. Uh but yeah, Luke is going, "Hey, we can study that bug. We can do something. She wants to meditate." Leia is just going, oh, god damn it, I have to do this again. There's no other good leader. Yep, here I am, back on the same old shit. Um, Naminor comes back again for the first time since about halfway through the novel, and he's now starting to stir up shit on the core worlds. Yes. Under a new guise. He's headed further in in toward the the central center of the galaxy. Yeah, he's just trying to create more strife for the New Republic. Keep them yes. from being all unified. Um, there are now Yuzen Vong forces starting to come into the galaxy in different places, and he wants to make sure no one is ready for the threat. Yeah, and he, uh, but but there's like he 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 basically is like I just need to I just need to keep this strife up because uh, there's no way for there's no way for us to control the Yuzen Vong forces at large right now. Yeah. And we end on the most bleak note possible. Yep. <laughs> which this is, is really intense. Oh yeah, Han is just thinking of his dead friend and Yeah, he's so like, he uh he and Leia go back to Cernpedal and I think the, the kids come with him as well. Yeah. Um they go back to Cernpedal and basically just like so Han can like get out like his last memories of Chewie basically. Yeah, this is his grieving now that the war is slowed and they have a yeah, now that now that he's not in battle like actively in battle but like why this is so dark is because it the chapter is from han's perspective and he doesn't take this as i'm mourning my friend but we did good he takes it as nobody is safe anymore even my family could be like dead tomorrow and there's nothing i can do about it yeah, and he like he talks to Leia about it, and he's like, you know, like, look, I was, I was like, kind of imagined like the people that I love are in this bubble, like you and the kids and Luke and Mara, Jade, and like even the droids. He says and Chewie are like they're in this bubble yeah. where nothing can hurt them. And he's like, now that Chewie is gone, like that bubble just like doesn't exist. Like, like and anybody he... can die at any time. And I'm, t- and he talks specifically. He talks about how he's yeah. like he doesn't think that Mara Jade is going to survive. And it's a bit meta because it's basically Han Solo going, we had plot armor and now I'm not so sure. Yeah, it's, it's, defi- it's definitely very meta. <laughs> and Leia's just like, no, Mara will be fine. And that's the end of the novel. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of where it ends off. <laughs> but yeah, it's such a bleak finale because it is just like, yeah, we just lost someone huge and I don't know how many more dead Chewies I can take with y'all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, your best friend dying, like, that's that's pretty intense. Oh, yeah. So, that's Vector Prime. Yeah, that's that's Vector Prime. And this is the start of, as you said, 20 novels and shorter stories and things that are going yes. to be the new Jedi Order. Yep, which, uh... I guess I guess since you started this series with me, now you're stuck. You have to do you have to do nineteen more of these with me. Look, they already stopped putting these out, which puts you ahead of that other horrible project I'm on. Oh, that's true. <laughs> why don't uh, why don't we talk about your other projects? Oh God. 
So the horrible, horrible thing that I have roped myself into is slowly <laughs> dissecting and recapping the Sword of Truth series, a series of awful objectivist fantasy novels that continues to this day despite ending twice. Mm-hmm. He has just started a third spinoff, and I hate it. <laughs> so I will never be free of that curse until Terry Goodkind or I cut the other's head off. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, you can also see me possibly launched by the time this episode comes out, but it may be a week or so, at hellscaper.com. A okay. writing journal of my own works, which is going to be more than just talking about shitty and not-so-shitty books. <laughs> And other than that, uh, I exist on Twitter, at Bustrider. Yeah, I was going to say, I know, I know you have a Twitter, but it, I, I don't think you use that often, right? Uh, I'm not much for original content there because I'm currently working on about 17 other projects that I'm trying to get going. So that sort of falls by the wayside. Yeah, that's totally understandable. I am mostly yeah. a hype man for my friends' projects. <laughs> which which we all we all very much appreciate. I try. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I do want to thank you for, for joining me for this, and for uh, I'm going to preemptively thank you for joining me for like 20 more episodes. As long as the fans don't revolt, you know I'm going to be here. <laughs> and uh, I'd also like to thank DJ AG for the use of our theme song, which is a remix of John Williams' Binary Sunset. You can find him on soundcloud.com slash DJAG-4. Can I just uh, say you can find me on Twitter. Theme. Sorry? Can I just say that's a gorgeous theme? I really like it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Wade Brian R. You can find the podcast on Twitter at LukeCast, which is uh, Luke with eight U's. Uh, and you can also just find everything on the website, which is expandeduniverse.online. And I think with that said, there's just one final thing to say. May the Force be with us. May the Force be with you, Fletch. May the Force be with you, Brian. And oh God, you're Force insensitive. <laughs> we can do that now. They're here. It's true.